Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast, the famous name from MLB The Show Career Mode, started a group of fantasy leagues years ago. And today, we gather with longtime Joe Randoms, Stephen Thayer and Matt Ramirez, to talk all things sports with other Joe Randoms. Making his second appearance as a special guest on the show is nine-year Joe Random and 2013 Joe Randoms football champion, Rich Hamilton. We hope you enjoy. And remember, just keep swishing and don't strike out. Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast, Episode 9. You guys like our intro music, by the way? Yeah, it's been good. I, like I, did, I enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> it gets me pumped up. Um, well, good. We got Rich back for uh, another episode here, kind of the second half of our Hall of Fame episode, but this time going basketball rather than football. Um I thought we we had a fun time on the last show, and and this will be good. Uh, the difference with this show is we handpicked a, a few guys that we had distinct disagreements on. So there there isn't going to be as much agreement in this episode as maybe in the the NFL episode. So uh, that's what we got on the docket for today. Um, Rich and Matt, uh, you guys got anything before we open this thing up? I'm, I, I'll say that I'm very excited for this episode. I think these five guys we're going to really hone in on are uh, very debatable, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about them for sure. I've got my Dwight Schrute uh, coffee mug here. I'm ready to be the contrarian and, and get into this thing. Contrarian with the Warriors beanie, the long hair, and the, the Curry jersey, the 08 jersey. <laughs> the Rebel, Rebel without a cause. With uh, you got one of the games on the background. I love it, Rich. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, let's do so. And and we hand selected these five guys. Um, you you might wonder why we chose Demar Derozan, Sean Mary, and Mark Gasol, Rudy Gobert, and Rashid Wallace. Um, but the the truth is, is there was maybe a list of thirty guys that the three of us went through, and we were pretty clear about yeah. We know Anthony Davis is getting in. We know James Harden is getting in. We know that Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love are probably getting in at some point. Rondo's probably getting in at some point. Um, and we looked at other guys that were kind of like, well, we don't think Elton Brand's going to get in at some point. Uh, we don't think Peja Soyakovich, um, <laughs> one of my favorite, David West, as much as we love him. We looked at those guys and we're probably like, yeah, they're probably not getting in. So uh, these five guys we thought uh, have legitimate chances, but also very, very skeptical of at the same time. So let's open the, the discussion up with one of the guys who is just recently retired. And I don't even know if he's actually retired. He's, he's finishing a season in Spain right now. Um, but that is Mark Gasol, brother of Powell Gasol. He will get into the Hall of Fame uh, within the next couple of years here, as, as, as far as we all know. So Mark Gasol, um, Rich, you were initially out on Mark Gasol. Um, let's start with that. Why does Mark Gasol not make the Hall of Fame? You know what? The one question I was asking myself was how – in his um, defensive player of the year season of 2012, like how was he only a second team all defense? It was like, I, I don't understand that dynamic, you know, as we were kind of researching this, um, how that kind of popped up a little bit there. Um, just his whole candidacy to me just doesn't scream enough dominant uh, production to me to automatically say yes. Um, I think if he's going, going to be put into the hall eventually, um, a good portion of it's going to be, because of his uh, international contributions to the game. Uh, he has nine medals in major, you know, world competitions, silver medals in 08, you know, in 12. Um, and Spain's really been the, the big anticipated matchup uh, for the United States on the Olympic front, I think. Um, and when you talk about Olympic basketball and the story of it, um, it's, it's hard to ignore Marc Gasol, Pau, Pau Gasol, and, and Serge Ibaka and kind of, you know, those Spanish teams kind of getting in there. Um, you can't ignore it. Um, he was 
you know, kind of involved in a trade early on in his career that involved his own brother, uh, Pau Gasol. So, Stephen, I was going to ask you, like, if there was ever like a hypothetical trade between you and your brother, who's Pau and who's Mark between you guys? <laughs> I feel like Andrew's always been a fan of Mark Gasol. It's just there, there, there's there's certain guys that that Andrew has has just liked and they usually were right about in their prime in 2010 because that's when Andrew really followed sports. And so Marcus Gasol was one of those guys that was on the rise at that point and uh, he really liked him. So I'm probably pal, um, <laughs> Mark, but Rich, you, you actually gave me some points in my argument here because I think if you, you look at his NBA resume, it might not be strong enough to get into the hall. Um, I will speak on that, though. Averaging 14 points, 7.4 rebounds, 3.4 assists. Um, he also had a good amount of blocks. Um, passed very well for a big man. And I think one of the things that was missing from his resume was that title. But getting that, being a big part of the Raptors' run there uh, in 2019, I think kind of cemented his case. You know, now he's got an NBA championship along with two Olympic silver medals, um, which I view a little bit on a higher scale than the FIBA stuff, though he's, he's, <laughs> he's won pretty much every competition you can win there. A um, couple of FIBA uh, titles, Eurobasket titles. Um, he's been unbelievable. I, that is an interesting point about your defensive player of the year when he won that in, in 2013. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he, you know, he doesn't make an all, all, you know, if that's, if that's truly the case. So maybe that's something with the, the voting or the selection there. LeBron still complains about that to this day. Last year, he did a little interview on it where he should have got the defensive player of the year. <laughs> but, you know, he has two all NBA selections. So, and I mean, three-time all-star. Here, here's, here's the, what I think is the, the final kicker to get Gasol in is if you look at his career, um, his NBA career is probably a little bit better than this comparison. And I think his international career is very similar, but that's Vladi Divac. Um, and, and he just got in the hall of fame. So yeah. I think when you those two side by side, I don't care what basketball reference has to say. Um, Cause I think I didn't even check, but I don't think they were high on Marcus Hall. <laughs> 28%, 30% that range. I think that's a crime to me. Uh, I think Marcus all was a pretty durable big man too. It, it wasn't, you know, he had his nicks and bruises, but not until he was in mid his mid thirties. So um, if you got anything else, I I'm, I'm punching his ticket. So for me, I was, I was right on the middle of this uh, right off the bat. I wanted to say no. Uh, then looking into the numbers a little bit, looking into what goes into the basketball, not just the NBA hall of fame. I'm still really, really torn, but I think because of his international play, um, Stephen hit it on the head with two silver medals against two of probably the three best USA teams that have come through, um, come through the Olympics with the Dream, Redeem, and I don't even know what the third team was. But I think um, that, along with the Defensive Player of the Year, yes, there's always going to be a little asterisk by it because of the LeBron thing, not getting it, but I mean, <clears throat> defensive player of the year holds some weight. Um, Three-time All-Star with his international play, I think he gets in. I think it's close, and he might have to wait a little bit, but I think he'll get in mostly because it's the or because it's the basketball Hall of Fame. I think football or baseball, his caliber of player might be a different conversation. Yeah, I think Vlade had to wait until 2019 to get in. Uh, so he waited quite a bit. Uh, Marcus Gasol might be the same case here. I mean, he's got the uh, three all-star appearances, two all-NBAs. Um, he only posted one season where it was an elite level uh, PER, if you're looking into that nowadays. Um, yeah, he'll probably have to wait, but he's in at some point, probably. You have to look at Tony Kukoc, you know, finally getting in. And that was a big deal. Um I think maybe the last dance helped him, 
Now, yeah, that was my if if Kukoc gets in, I think Gasol's got to be in. I think. Well, and it's also the the Basketball Hall of Fame is is the most like inexclusive out of all the Hall of Fames, right? Because they include college, they include international, um, they include women. Football is just a men's sport. Baseball is just a a men's sport, but basketball, it's just there's a lot more opportunity for people to get in. So yeah. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so, all right. So I, I'll take the cake for Marcus all there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, be being on the fence going into that. Um, we can have, we can have Steven winning that one for sure. Well, and the dude developed the three ball. Like well, that's, I, just like stylistically watching his game. Like he has a good looking European big man game and he actually played defense. So, I mean, just visually and kind of watching games, like he was the best player on that Memphis team for three, four years when Randall was kind of uh, falling out, uh, or Zach Randolph, not Randall, was they uh, was falling off his prime and Conley was coming into his own. Gasol was the guy on those teams and they made playoff runs. So I give him credit for that too. He's the most decorated Grizzly in, uh, in, in their franchise history, right? Like, is it debatable with uh, uh, Michigan State's own? Uh, Zach, Zach Randolph. It's close. It's very close. You're right. I think, but to, to, to our point, I, I think we discussed Zach Randolph's case and it, and it doesn't even come close to Marcus all's case for right. the whole team. So, yeah. Agreed. Right. You might be right with Mark there as, as good of a player as Zebo was. Um, so, all right, moving on to the next guy. Um, <laughs> this is one that, that kind of sparked this whole podcast to begin with. I, I, I don't know how it started, but I, I was reading an article about Sean Marion and I was like, Oh, this guy's getting in the hall of fame. And I, I like read more into it because I was a little skeptical at first. Like, well, you know, Sean Marion, like I only remember really like picking him up in fantasy towards the end of his career and not really being, you know, a, a main dude. But you look back at his career, and I was like, oh, the Matrix was legit. So I've got Sean Marion in the Hall of Fame. Rich, I believe you have Marion in the Hall of Fame. Matt, you do not. So uh, why don't you kick us off here? I do not have Sean Marion in the NBA or in the NBA, in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, this is probably the one that I'm most passionate about. I just, for me, when you're looking at Hall of Fame, there's a lot of things that factor into it. But if we're going back to kind of the discussion we had with NFL, I look at kind of top three, top five, top ten guys at their position. Um, and then I look at how much weight they carried um, on their shoulders in terms of their team's production. And when you look at Sean, I mean, he was never better than a third best player on a playoff team that got eliminated in the conference final. Um, and yes, there's an argument for his defense versatility um, and kind of longevity of his of his tenure in the league, but um, he got that championship. But if we're looking at the whole picture here, Sean Marion, if you don't look at the stats and you're um, talking about best best players of the 2000s or early 2010s. Sean Marion's name doesn't come up until chapter nine. Like the guy, the guy, the guy did not, um, did not affect his team as much as the, the main guys. He was a third, third guy on offense, um, a versatile player on defense. But I think the only thing that could get him in is because he was around for so long. Basketball reference has him, I want to say it was like 75% chance of getting in. And I just I, I don't understand it. I'm I'm actually very confused at this that this is even a conversation. But you look back at the numbers: four-time All-Star, um, two-time I think third-team All-NBA. And I I just I think because being in Phoenix, there's three All-Stars while he was in Phoenix alongside Nash. One All-Star before Nash got there, which is impressive when he averaged 29 or 21 nine and two with a two steals and a block that's a, that's a great year um but a lot of a lot of the offensive production came because of his teammates um and i just i can't have a guy like sean marion um 
getting into a Hall of Fame. I know this is the NBA, and there's a decent chance he does get in, but I think Sean Marion is the poster child for the Hall of Really Good. Yeah, I can't defend his ridiculous shot release, uh, but I can try and defend the rest of his candidacy here. Um, you know, much like Keanu Reeves was a glitch in the Matrix uh, movie series, Sean Marion was that Swiss Army knife type, you know, that was a glitch to the NBA of sorts, you know. I don't think the Dallas Mavericks win that title with Dirk, you know, if it wasn't for Marion slowing LeBron down or at least you know, providing some sort of solution to that problem. Jason Terry um, guarded him down the stretch. Is that right? Yeah, Jason Terry ended up guarding LeBron during those those choke jobs that people talk about. And Sean did obviously defend him most of the time because of the size. Um, but Jason Terry was the guy down the stretch that took him. I think we could have a similar discussion with a player type like uh, Draymond Green. I think, you know, at cer a certain point here, we're going to talk about his candidacy in the, you know, in the future. Um, you know, he's just the ultimate stat, stat sheet stuffer, you know always heavily valued in fantasy basketball. You know, if there was a fantasy basketball Hall of Fame, you know, Sean Marion's in, you know, no doubt. Um, he was a four-time All-Star in a, in a you know, highly superior Western Conference landscape. And I think it's just immensely more difficult to earn that game honor, you know, in the West and the East during that time period, uh, being a part of those seven seconds or less D'Antoni teams uh, for the Suns. Um, he did make some postseason runs, um, you know, didn't result in a championship until late, late in his career where he was more of a glorified role player. Um, but I mean, I think as we go on in time um, and as the game has changed, you know, to more of a three point game, um, these three and D guys are really, really valuable and the versatility that he provided, the length, the strength, um, his ability to guard four positions. Um, and just the overall impact, um, it, it looks favorably on him. Um, and then if you want to look at advanced stats, you know, he, he, his wind shears are up there. Um, his his uh, impact at both ends of the floor is undeniable. To compare, to compare Draymond to Sean Marion is utterly disrespectful to Draymond Green's defense. Let me, let, let, let me clarify that one here. Um, you know, if you're grading a practice or something or grading games, you know, watch breaking down film, you know, you'll take each player and, you know, put a plus mark next to them if they do something good, get a deflection, you know, get, you know, whatnot. Sean Marion, it seemed like he racked up a lot of those, you know, pluses to where if you watch game film and you took the names and the numbers off the jerseys and you were just watching the basketball players, you know, he had his hand in a lot of games for the Suns, the Mavericks, um, you know, through that time period. And I think he gets caught up in the wash a little bit with LeBron, Kobe, and some of the more dominant wings of the West. But uh, maybe if he was in the East, he would have racked up like eight or nine All-Stars and is a shoe-in. I don't know. So to piggyback off of your points there, Rich, um, uh, the obvious, the four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, uh, he did the dirty work, right? And I, I think Draymond is better than Marion, okay, mainly because of the, his passing ability. But if you think about it, Marion was Draymond before Draymond. And I really think that he was ahead of his time as a positionless player defensively and, and offensively too, really. You know, he, he could defend anybody because of his length and because of his IQ, which is very – hard to measure on a stat sheet um, and and I know you said Jason Terry but we got to give Marion some credit for slowing down LeBron in, in that title um, so you know whether he got his title you know so what if he got his title at you know 20 or 32 years old like he was still an integral party played 30 minutes a game for for that team so you know I think it's even more than just a role player um, when he was with the Suns for about seven or eight seasons, I mean, kind of bleeding into his, his half season with Miami um, or his, I guess, bleeding into his full season with Miami over the next year. And he was pretty much averaging a double double for like eight years I mean, pretty much. Uh, and, and we don't really remember that, 
but this was a guy who did it all in his prime. And I know, Matt, you said that he might not have been, like, he might have been the third best player on some of the teams that he's been on, but he was only with Nash for like three seasons, which we don't really, we don't really think of that. And I think Marion was part of the reason why Nash was able to win his MVPs. It's, I look at it like Draymond and Curry. I mean, Draymond is probably going to go down as the third best player on his team for the majority of his career. And I, I think Marion is in a similar boat. Again, that's not to say that Draymond is is as good or, or worse than – I think Draymond's better. Real quick, we're talking different levels to this. The Suns didn't even get to a finals, and the Warriors have won four of them. The like, Suns made a lot of deep playoff runs. They made a lot. Yeah, to run into the Lakers, the Spurs, you know, go on with the Western it, Conference. Um, that was Shaq. You know, does but to compare our, probably the second greatest team of all time to the Phoenix Suns, like Draymond's the third best player on an all time dynasty. Sean Marion's the third best player on a team you use in two K. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, like okay, but put it put it in this perspective: Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Grant Hill. These guys are Hall of Famers. Okay, I, I there's. Curry, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, yeah, they're Hall of Famers too. So it, it's not like he's playing third to just just good NBA players. You know, he's he's playing. He, he's in the thick. He's what makes it go. He was third on the Mavs team. Well, that was towards the end of his career. But you know, that I can forgive him for that. By that point, he he was almost a Hall of Famer by the time he made it to the Mavericks. The only thing that was missing was that title. He didn't even make an all-defensive team, and that's all we're talking about is his defense. Well, I, I, I think also, it's a travesty that he didn't make an all-defense. Yeah, um, there were a couple of seasons that he led the league in steals. I, I don't understand that one. Yeah, but steals aren't the only defensive metric out there, right? Like, if, if he was this Draymond, almost, like, baby version of Draymond defender, Draymond's won two Defensive Player of the Year awards and made countless all-defensive teams he would at least have a second team all defense or like one award. If he was this revolutionary defender. I think he was a com- incredibly underrated. I, I really do. They didn't have the analytics to measure what he he's done at that time. And, you know, he was playing in an era where guys like Shaq um, were getting the attention of, Oh, he's big and he blocks shots. So he's going to be on our all defensive team. But that's still the notion today. Like, Gobert wins all these defensive player of the years, and he might not be the most best or most versatile defender. So, I, I mean, and like, Marion was playing when Shaq was out of his prime and when all these big men were starting to die off. Here's the point that swayed me on Sean Marion. If you want to look at analytics and get yeah, into that, value over replacement players 37th all time. Like, that's no joke. He's 46th in win shares in in NBA, ABA history. You know, there, there are plenty of hall of famers below him that, that are, are not even close to him. Um, so to me, if, if there's some sort of metric that's like, Hey, Marion was legit. Like he, like, that's one right there. I got, I got two questions for you guys on my last two points. Number one being, um, if you're going to a Suns Warriors game in 2000, whatever, three through eight, are you going to the game thinking to yourself, hey, I'm going to go watch a future Hall of Famer, Sean Marion, play tonight? <laughs> or let me, uh, while you guys chew on that a little bit, can you name one Sean Marion highlight besides his. The funky release? His. his yeah, I was gonna say broke ass jump shot, but <laughs> well, that's 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 tricky because you can find them. I mean, I but what name one? I, like I can think, I can think of Marcus Soul's playoff runs, or I can think of uh, we'll get to the other guys later. But like you can think of these borderline guys at least having some highlight or some playoff run that they had a big part in, and I I just don't see that for Sean, and I don't see any like you can easily tell the history of the NBA without ever even thinking about Sean Marion's name. 
if, if that's the case, then do you really need to have like, oh, an extensive highlight tape of memorable plays? Because we can find a, a Rolodex of JaVale McGee making really cool blocks. Yeah, but JaVale's a different player, right? Like, I'm not talking to, like, one highlight or one stretch run where he was the guy and took over games and won them games. But I, I think he was early in his career before he got in with Nash and Stoudemire and kind of was overshadowed a little bit there. Um, and they were a bad team. Athletic. Yeah, I mean, they were on the come up, you know. But can't, can't we can't – we, can we not – enshrine someone for being healthy and consistent and solid for so long. This is the men's league we're talking about. Like, damn, if we had just given handouts for the Hall of Fame for being healthy and consistent for a long time, Brian Scalabrini was healthy and consistent for a long time. At a high level. At a medium high level. Like, man, I'm very passionate about this one. This is the most fired up I'll get tonight, but I – Sean Marion cannot be in the Hall of Fame, guys. He can't. See, the thing is, Matt, whether you like it or not, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I know, and I'm going to be – we're going to have to do in whatever year he's going to get in. It's probably going to be – he's on the ballot this year, I think. So, I mean, if it's this year, next year, man, I'm going to be – Actually, part of the logistics of why he's going to get in is because there's really nobody else right now that – is like oh he's for sure getting you know what i'm saying like we just got kg paul pierce kobe td like we just got the big dudes of our generation and marion's like in this little frame of of oh like some of the recently retired guys aren't just up yet so he he kind of can slide in there no i agree i think I mean, I think there's a decent chance he gets in. I think my biggest case for Sean Marion, if I were to have, be forced to vote him in, would be just because of his versatility. I think he was probably 10 years too late in being in the NBA. I think he's a, if he's in the NBA today, uh, might be a different story. But, man, he's in the hall of well above average. Any last thoughts on that, Rich? Last thought, um, you know, in 2004-05, he finished in the top five in both rebounds and steals. How many players really do that in the, in the arc of uh, NBA history? You know, kind of speaks to his uniqueness and his versatility there. Absolutely. Well, you guys hear that? Yeah, did I get a technical? Blow the whistle. That means it's time for our segment, Joe Random's Three in the Key. Three in the Key. Three in the Key. Three in the key. Matt and Rich, I'm going to hit you with three Basketball Hall of Fame-related trivia questions. You'll only have three seconds to answer, and whoever answers first correctly will get the point and won't be called for Three in the Key. All right. <laughs> you guys ready? Let's do it. <laughs> Great. First question. Where's the Basketball Hall of Fame located? Go. Springfield, Mass. Got it. Ding, ding, ding. One for Rich. Number two. I I guess I should elaborate a little bit. Birthplace of basketball. James Naismith, uh, 1891, uh, brought the game to YMCA. Uh, I think it's important to note. And uh, the Hall of Fame was established in 59, but the building wasn't developed until 68. All right. Next question. Give me the college that has the most players in the Hall of Fame. UCLA. Got it. One to one. All right. Last question for three in the key is which team, which NBA team has the most people in the Hall of Fame? Celtics. Got it. Celtics. 54 players and coaches and shrine. So that does it for this segment of three in the key. We will revisit this later in the show. All right. That's a good break point for our Marion and Gasol talk. Third guy of this discussion. We, we talked about him just briefly. He's still got a lot of NBA ahead of him, not just NBA, but international ball ahead of him. And that is Rudy Gobert, the stifle tower. Um, he's got a lot of nicknames 
let's go bear or go home with Rudy Gobert. You know, this is a guy who has pretty much, I would say, just started the second half of his career. Um, he's probably got, I don't know, maybe four or five years of really good basketball ahead of him, and then maybe another three years of maybe average basketball, if, if, I'm, if I'm going off of age and, and similar guys like him. And he's almost on the proverbial peak right now, would you say? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, Rudy Gobert. Uh, now, Matt, you and I were in on Rudy, and, and Rich was out. Is this correct? Yep. Okay. So I guess I can start with his in discussion, and then we can go to Rich, and then, Matt, you can close it up. Um, two-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's a five-time all-defensive team. So right off the bat, just insane defensive uh, accolades. And that's, shoot, in a nine-year career. Um, so that's pretty impressive to me. That jumps off the page. Uh, this season, he's averaging 15 and a half and 15, which is just madness. Um, like, I don't. I don't remember the last time a guy averaged 15.1 rebounds a game. And Rudy Andre Drummond. It, 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 Drummond actually hit 15? Okay. At least for most of a year. He was up in the high 13-14s um, when he was uh, on the hospital for a little bit. <laughs> the difference is Rudy Gobert is a much more effective player. Um, and he's playing, 100%. <laughs> he's playing on a, on a really good team, which – is part and due to him. What I really like about Gobert is the impact he actually has on the game. Um, the The Warriors do okay against the Jazz, but at the same time, Gobert's a problem. And if you don't have a guy that can match up with him, like it, it's it's hard. Now he's not necessarily the most mobile or athletic guy, but because of his length and just size and strength like he doesn't need to be that guy so he's kind of a little bit different in terms of the modern nba right but he's still a problem you you stick a, you stick him in the middle of the floor and it's going to be really tough to get to the rim um being the blocks guy that he is being the the presence that he is so uh defensively he's got a big case offensively i like what he can do off the ball he sets a lot of screens um, he's, he's got a nose for the basketball and, um, I just think he's a great finisher. So, uh, you, you combine those things with some of the things that he's done in, in the international, uh, scheme too. He won a silver for France in the, the last Olympics. So, uh, th those are, I mean, not to mention the FIBA stuff. So to me, it's a pretty easy case for Rudy. And, you know, if he just keeps doing this, like it's, it's cemented. Like you give him three, four more years, it's a done deal. Yeah, I might have misunderstood the assignment on this one. I'm, I'm that he's out at the moment, but if he keeps it up, I, I'm with you. He's definitely in. He's already in rare air with the Defense Player of the Year awards. Uh, if he wins one more, he's going to join Matumbo and uh, Ben Wallace with four. Um, but I want to see a little bit more from him in Utah, kind of, you know, from that team as a presence in the West. Um, you know, they've got the inside-outside um, threat with Donovan Mitchell there. Um, I think every big man kind of needs that kind of uh, guard uh, to help uh, bring the best out of his game. Um, I want to see him make some deep runs here. Um, they've had some impressive regular seasons here, but it's time to put together uh, a postseason run. You know, that's kind of where I stand with that. Um, we want to talk about, um, you know, the, the death of the big man. But uh, Rudy Gobert kind of goes against the grain on that. Him and Jokic, um, some of these European bigs, Valanchunas, um, really, you know, are that type of big that really eat the Warriors up as currently constructed. Um, and if you're kind of, if, if that's going to be the gold standard for today's NBA is kind of, um, how do you defend against the three-point shot and the spread offense and whatnot? Uh, where does Gobert real, you know, is he going to get run off the court in the postseason again? No. Yeah, I think that's the one case against Rudy is last year his defensive player of the year, defensive prowess kind of got challenged a little bit, um, chasing guys around off screens when you're running a small ball lineup. 
But, I mean, even if his career ended today, I think he gets in three defensive player of the years. It's rare territory. Um, and you look at, what is it, 12, 12, almost two and a half blocks on uh, 65% from the field. I mean, to me, he's in um, even if his career ended today. Yeah, you know, I I guess I, I might have misconstrued my words there a little bit, Rich. I I think he probably could get in if, if on, he had like a really unfortunate career ending injury. Like, I think he has enough. I think he has just enough. I, I, I will agree that the, the missing the championship is, is a tough one, but uh, I think he might've done enough already because of his defensive accolades and his international accolades. Yeah. He's got the silver medal in the trophy case. Um, so yeah, definitely a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Rudy Gobert. Um, I, and I just love all of his nicknames. I mean, when you, 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 you need guys with good like names, like good rings to them. The French tower. Yeah. Tower. The, the go bear report, like Gobzilla, like you, you just can't, you can't beat these nicknames. <laughs> I, I, I guess we can not to go that, not to go there, but to go there. Um, or to go bear there. Um, <laughs> the COVID thing with, with, was really bad. Um, oh yeah. He was the poster child of that very early on. Uh, he, he, end, microphone and, yeah. he ended the world for that. That was the last thing we heard from the sports world. We might've got at least one Dead. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, he, he apologized. And that's all right. Uh, okay. So that's Rudy Gobert. Uh, last, this is the last guy. Oh, two, the last two guys here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save Rashid Wallace for last because I, I'm very strongly on, on it and you guys are not on it. Um, let's go with DeMar DeRozan right now. Um, this is also a guy who's in the second half of his career. You know, maybe not maybe maybe another few good years but he's kind of in his you know he's like what 33 30 33 about right now so 32 yep yeah so uh maybe not as many good years left um he's got a resume but is it enough i'm out on derozan um and i i forgot where you guys stood i'm in yeah i'm i'm current moment in time if his career ended tomorrow I'm, I'm kind of out but the way he's going uh the Chicago Bulls team that he has now I think give him a couple of more seasons and see what the Chicago team can do and uh he might slide in there what he's leading the Eastern Conference in voting right now so he's going to get back into that game um after being out for a couple of years being out on the west uh with the Spurs just didn't generate the numbers that you know he was accustomed to uh the master of the mid-range there in Toronto uh, he'll definitely have his uh, jersey uh, retired there in Toronto, right? You guys think so? He's missed. Hundred percent. I mean, it's him and Lowry. Like they're both Mr. Raptor, right? <laughs> I mean, I see. Here's the the difference for me is, I think Gobert might have enough to get in if he retired tomorrow. I don't think DeRozan would, um, and. I, I think part of his inflation and in numbers right now is because of the COVID and the injuries and all of that, he's, he's taking advantage of the situation. You can't blame him for that. But I think that's why his numbers and his scoring is a little bit elevated. To me, DeRozan's a fantastic scorer, but he's not really a good three-point shooter, or at least he doesn't shoot the three. Um, he needs to go deeper in playoffs. I think that's a, a big, big missing piece of his resume. I mean, the guy uh, has not been on great teams historically. And so you, you kind of have to look at, well, you know, does, how much of an impact does he really make? So I think he's got to go deeper in playoff runs. I, I mean, yeah, the four-time All-Star is nice, um, but uh, zero, zero titles, uh, doesn't shoot a three. Um, and I don't think he contributes much defensively. They're, they're, they're just, there's a lot to be lacking there. So, you know, sure, you can put up 20-something a game. But I just, I mean, even as a passer, I, I think he's probably average. So that to me is, I'm, I'm out on DeRozan, and I don't 
I don't know that another two, three years is really going to make a difference there. I think the Rosen gets in. I don't, and I don't really think it's super close. I mean, if you guys have Sean Marion getting in, I don't understand how DeMar doesn't get in. He was, he's a four time all-star. Um, he's averaged 20 points a game and it, that'll probably go up here in the next couple of years, depending on how it ends. Um, but he's going to be a five time all-star, um, all NBA, things like that. And man, I, I just, if DeMar, who is the best player on his team for what, 10, eight, 10 years, um, I just, I, he's made deep playoff runs. He's gotten eliminated by LeBron. Um, and I think, I, I, I think he gets hurt because of that. And I, I just don't, I don't understand how a guy like Sean Marion can get in and then DeMar Grossen does it, Stephen. Well, I, I think what another thing that maybe this is my bias, I look at a guy who can play versatile defense and who can guard everybody on the floor as an asset. I, I really like to me, you know, you can find scorers out there. You can find guys who can shoot the three and he doesn't even shoot the three. Um, but you can, you can find guys that can put the ball in the hoop. Uh, I like guys that can play against anybody on the court. And that's, that's more valuable for me. So I'm going to take a team of a Marion, of a Draymond, of a Dennis Rodman, and I'm going to pair them with like two really good three-point shooters, and we might have a, a great team right there, you know? So that to me is, is the case of Marion over DeRozan. And, and again, I need more postseason runs. Uh, I, I think DeRozan would, would need to get a title. Um, I look at some of his top tens as well. Like, I think he's only finished like eighth in MVP voting once. And that's like the highest. And that does not scream Hall of Famer by any means to me. Like I said, I mean, I just don't understand how a guy who's clearly the bona fide guy on his team um, for eight plus years now, and he's going to be in an MVP conversation right now. Like he's going to be a five-time all-star. He's a guy who can get you 20 to 25 a night. And I, um, if you take out his rookie season, he's probably at 23 points a game. So I, I just, I don't think I just, I just, it's mind boggling to me, Stephen, how um, Sean Marion, yes, if you're building a team with five, Sean Marion, it's going to be a better than a team with five DeMar DeRozan, just because Sean Marion plays more positions. But I don't think if you, if you ask, Anybody in the history of basketball, if you're drafting a team, who would you take before? Who would you take first, DeMar DeRozan or Sean Marion? At least me personally, there's zero chance I'm taking Sean Marion in front of DeMar DeRozan because at the end of the day, basketball is about putting the ball in the net. I don't know. Based on that logic, Monte Ellis is then in the Hall of Fame. Like, he had a good stretch there as being the man on his own team. But I just think his Toronto – They never made the playoffs, though. Yeah. I just feel like it, his peak was too short-lived in Toronto. I don't know. It's a little underwhelming. And then they trade him out of town, and then his replacement gets the job done. And it's not a good look for that uh, resume. True. Kawhi Leonard is one of the probably 30, 40 best basketball players of all time. Yeah, I mean, what, he, he's going to go back to the All-Star game here, but his last one came, what, in 2017 now. Uh, he was able to rattle off four of them. Um, he's the master of the mid-range, and it's kind of a dying art in the NBA. And, um, you know, I just – there's not going to be a lot of offenses that are, you know, going to cater to that much anymore. I don't know. Which is even more impressive considering he's still a bona fide scoring superstar at the age of 32 without adapting to whatever is the current in, uh, in air quotes for the listeners that the way the air, the way the game is going, I just, for a guy like that to be able to survive in today's NBA and be still a bona fide superstar. I, I, I don't see how he's not in the hall of fame, even if his career ended today, because he would still get an all-star vote if his career ended today. The one thing I would say is that uh, he did win gold and, and Rio in 2016. So 
I'll, I'll give them I'll give them a little boost for that. Um, I tried to dig into where Basketball Reference comes up with their metrics, and Terrible. apparently it has something to do with like if you're in the top ten of categories, like depending on all of it, like they do like points, rebounds, assists, minutes per game, steals, and blocks, like you get a certain amount of points, like 10, if you're in for kind of like a roto league almost. And I don't know how they convert them into percentage points, but that's part of their metrics. And they, they try to combine um, uh, all stars and championships, and, but I don't think they do a good job of the international accomplishments, but no, I, do you got anything else on DeRozan? I mean, as of now, I, I don't think he's in and, and I think it would, it would take a lot to get him in. Whereas I, I think Gobert is already in. I think DeRozan would need a lot. Um, so I have him out. I think he's got enough memorable moments. Um, and he does have playoff runs just as then obviously got to the final. So I think he's in and I don't really think it would be that close, but I'm drafting Sean Marion before DeRozan. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I want a team built around defense. Let's say he's the first NBA player in history to have uh, buzzer beaters in two straight games. I mean, that's got to count for something, right? Is that legit? Wow, that's a that's a good yeah, yeah, yeah. The other night. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, there, there's our Demar Derozan discussion. Uh, I used to call him Demar DeFrozen because uh, he would get cold in the playoffs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I hope he's not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's okay with that. Sure, he's fine and everything, but uh, <laughs> all right. Last guy, my man Rashid Wallace. Um, I I initially was like, yeah, why am I including him on this? Like, he's not making the Hall of Fame. But just like any good scientist, you try to do an experiment to prove yourself wrong, and I did. And Rashid Wallace, after a further review. I think the ruling on the field has been reversed and I think he should get in the hall of fame and um, here I'll, I'll lay out the resume. Um, so again, call the, the basketball hall of fame is weird because it does take into account college accomplishments and uh, Rashid Wallace was very good at UNC. Uh, you know, Dean Smith had so much confidence in him and his, uh, his rookie year uh, that he played a lot. And I think he averaged like nine and 6.8 with a couple blocks that as a freshman. And I mean, that team won like 27 games. And then as a sophomore, like he really took off. Like he, he had some insane numbers, like 16 and eight and like almost like three blocks a game. That team went to the final four. Um, so like some really good college resume there. Uh, I really like him for his style. He's kind of fits into today's game as a stretch four guy that can, that's really gritty, but he can step out and shoot the three. Um, one of the, I think one of the greatest big man, three point shooters of his generation. Um, you didn't see a whole lot of that, but I think he was right up there with Dirk and the, the, that three ball. So you take that. Um, he played, he took, he took Portland to a game seven against the Lakers and had some like really, really memorable uh, playoff stats there. And if it wasn't for Kobe going for like 56 and Shaq just absolutely obliterating, like I think Shaq went for 36 and 20, um, something insane like that in, in that series. But Rashid Wallace was, was this close. And uh, I really, from, from 99 to 03, um, on those Portland teams, he was the best player on his team. I mean, he, in, in seven or in, in eight seasons with Portland, he averaged 17 and seven. So he, he's no, he's no joke. And then I think what really, what really helped him a lot was when he got traded to the Pistons, the Pistons were 34 and 24 before they, he got there. And after he got there, they were 20 and four and he took them uh, to a championship and, that team is amazing because there was no bona fide superstar at the time. They were all just a bunch of really good players, but I think Rashid Wallace was the most talented player of that bunch. If you really look at it between Ben and Billups and rip, I mean, those guys are all great. Tayshawn Prince, like 
they all have Hall of Fame cases in their own right. Obviously, Ben Wallace just got in. Um, I think Billos will get in, obviously. But I think Rashid Wallace kind of gets a little bit overlooked there. And um, gosh, over the course of his career, three finals appearances, eight conference finals appearances. Um, you know, I, he was a leader in the in the in the locker room. Uh, but this was, I know he had his technical problems, but I mean, so did a lot of good players. Uh, and he also had 105 win shares. And I, I like win shares a lot because at the end of the day, this game is about winning. And, um, you know, it's not as many as Sean Marion, but it is just right behind Chris Bosch. It's right above Elgin Baylor. It's right above Alex English, Grant Hill. And I mean, obviously not, not same positions, but it's above Mo Cheeks. It's above Allen Iverson. It's above Tracy McGrady. I mean, these are, these are all guys that are in and I can go down the list, uh, but he's an NBA champion. He's a four-time all-star. He had a long career, a durable career. He had a versatile offensive game. And um, I think he needs to be in the hall of fame. I got, I only have one point for this um, and then I'll, I'll be done with it, but I'm going to do a blind stat reveal here. One of the players is Rasheed Wallace. One of the players is someone else. Um, player A, 13 points a game, half a block, one steal, two assists, five boards for his career on one three-point made per game. Player two, 14 points a game, one, uh, one and a half blocks, one steal, two assists, uh, 6.7 rebounds, and... Let's see, one three-point made a game. Uh, player B is Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Player um, A. I, I feel like I know these numbers. I feel like I was just looking at them. Player A is Al Harrington. Ooh. Ooh. Al Harrington's not getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't think Rasheed Wallace should either. Yeah, I think Rashid Wallace's career is a, a a story of almost but not enough. Um, I've always looked at Rashid Wallace as a very solid power forward. Like most teams would, you know, be a net pos- He'd be a net positive for them, but never in the elite class of the Tim Duncan's, Kevin Garnett. Maybe it's just a product of the uh, era he was in: Dirk Nowitzki, Chris Webber. Um, but you know, maybe that just speaks to the talent at the position. Um, the Basketball Hall of Fame, it seems like it usually favors players who impact the story arc of, of the game of basketball uh, being told from season to season. And I'm just not quite sure if Rasheed Wallace is that kind of basketball icon uh, for the time frame, even with the one championship in Detroit. I was a big fan of that team, you know, to kind of have no all-stars and, and still win it all. Um, you know, what could have been, you know, Rashid Wallace was real close to knocking off that Kobe Shaq led, you know, Lakers team. But if it wasn't for Tim Donaghy choking a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter of the, you know, game seven, we might be speaking a different tune on Rashid Wallace's total legacy. I think if there was a hall of fame for basketball sayings, um, Rashid Wallace's, you know, ball don't lie has to be in there, has to be in there. He was, Uh, but he never never received an all NBA nod. And, and I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he was just often overshadowed by greater talents of the time. I mean, it's hard. I mean, he was, he was, he shouldn't have been in charge of carrying that Portland team though. And, and he was, you know, at at the, uh, as a young age. And so um, I see what you guys are saying about the all NBAs. um, But I, I think his resume is incredibly underrated and, um, I, it's you, you really, if you really dig into it, um, even in his later years, like he has a case for still being like a top two, top three player on every single team that he's played after, even after his Portland um, Pistons days, I think at least. So, uh, I mean, maybe there's a little bit there. I, I would appreciate more defensively, but uh, this was a guy that I wanted on my team and, He's a dog. He's a dog for sure. 
Yeah. You know, he really got in your face and was after it. And uh, made, I, I just think he was five to 10 years before his time, uh, you know, a little bit early um, on the stretch for compliment in the NBA and his overall impact might've been greater than one three point made a game. Yeah. He could have been Laurie Markin in today. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, not even close. Oh, <laughs> All right, I just I, with the Al, Al Harrington comp, um, the stretch four made me think of that, and I I just the, the only way he would get in is because he's part of that Pistons team. And the Al Harrington one's interesting, um, but obviously Al Harrington was not nearly as as a reliable player as as Rasheed was. Do you guys know what Rasheed Wallace is doing today? Do you know where he's currently employed? I don't no, know. that's right. He is currently assistant coach of uh, University of Memphis there with uh, Penny Hardaway and uh, former Detroit Pistons head coach Larry Brown. So if you wanted to know where he was at as well, um, quite the coaching staff there in Memphis. That's solid. Hey, you know what? He still might make the Hall of Fame then as a coach. Yeah, I mean, the more that you contribute to the game, right? That's right. That's right. I like it. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I so I think our conclusion is um what? Gobert's getting in and uh Marcus all I think we we said getting in. I think Marion, uh, Rich and I were at the end, Matt was out and then uh I mean I I I can't really fight you guys on Rashid. Um it seems like and then uh, DeRozan DeRozan I th- I feel like that was the most split out of all of us. The Rosen's close, but with the way he's he's probably got one or two more good years, so he'll be he'll probably get in. At the end of the day. Oh. Do you guys hear that? Rashid Wallace just got attacked, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna close out this section with a three in the key. 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 <laughs> all right uh last three questions a little bit more fun questions than the first one uh have three seconds to answer um all right there are three players according to basketball reference who have 100 percent probability of making the hall of fame i'm talking about active players so there are three active players that have 100 percent probability of making it can you name those three? Boom. LeBron, Chris Paul, and Rich. Oh, it's not, it's, I'm done, yeah. LeBron, Chris Paul, Durant. Got it. I wanted to say Steph, but I knew he was at 99.7 with Harden. Same with Harden, yep. All right, point for Rich. Uh, tougher question. Who was the very first player enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame? George Mikan. Got it. Second point for Rich. He clinches this round. He can clinch the day if he gets this question. This is a hard one. Um, I'll give you more than three seconds. There is one basketball Hall of Famer who played a full MLB season. Yeah, really two seasons in the MLB. Not just guys that have played pro in both. I'm talking about there's one basketball Hall of Famer who actually played a full season. He pitched a full season. Any guess? Yeah, I have no idea on that. And uh, to give you some of his baseball stats, um, and Rich, you are actually familiar with this guy. I feel like you've thrown his name around, name around, in, in conversations before. Um, Matt Barnes. No. <laughs> What's the context here? Um, all right. He pitched in 62 and 63 for the White Sox. Um, in 63, he started 10 games, 84 innings, had a 309 ERA, um, and he struck out 53 guys um, in basketball. Uh, His career spanned from 1963 
1974. Bob Cousy. Played for the Pistons and the Knicks. No, like a Walt. I don't know Walt Frazier. I mean, who who are we talking about here? He, averaged, he was a kind of a big man. He averaged 16 and 11 for his career. I got nothing. Yeah, I'm stumped. I'm stumped, Stephen. The answer is Dave. Dubusher. Oh, gee. <laughs> wow. Name of the past. There we go. I, I saw that and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, That's an interesting one. Yeah, you usually see the baseball football crossover or uh, you got Charlie Ward, I guess, who is pretty big. All of them. But uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. There was one guy, too, that Hall of Famer for the Celtics, um, Bill Sharman. Uh, yeah, he is. He has the unofficial distinction of being the only player in MLB history to be ejected from a game without actually appearing in a game. Uh, there was a brawl. He was with the the Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers, in like the early fifties, and there was a, a brawl where, uh, because of the umpire calls, the the bench is cleared and. Apparently he got thrown out um, and he never actually like he was called up for that game, but he never actually <laughs> appeared in the game. <laughs> Just a glorified heckler at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. Team him up. Hall of Fame. Um, all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the three in the key. Um, any last comments on this uh, Hall of Fame discussion, guys? Sean Marion does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sean Marion's definitely in. He's too unique, too versatile. Thank you guys for having me on the show. This was great. You guys are doing a great job with this podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for coming on again and, and uh, always your feedback and, and listening. We, we really appreciate it. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.